Hello everyone, you're listening to the Brunton Bugle, the number one place to get your car United fix in the podcast world. I'm Lee Rooney. I'm Mike Booth. And I'm Dan McLennan. Five Star Blues complete the double over Crawley to make it two wins in a row and reignite the promotion push. We reflect on United's victory of the longest trip of the season before previewing this weekend's clash with FA Cup giant killers, Grimsby Town. Yes, big win last weekend. Tough tie coming up this weekend though, isn't it guys? It's a bit of a conundrum really, because Grimsby an interesting side as we'll discuss later in the preview. But how are you both feeling? Yeah, pretty happy after that win? Yeah, yeah not bad. Yeah, it's uh, especially... After their uh, NFT shenanigans and their uh, video about our fans been cum brains and all the rest of it earlier in the season, it's uh, it's quite nice to get one over on them. Yeah, it's, it's not been a great season for Crawley, I think it's fair to say. Uh, yeah. don't think anyone's particularly disappointed about that at the moment, but, but there you go. Uh, plenty to pack in this week, so we'll, we'll get straight into it. First up, uh, we, we need to tell you about our sponsors and also where you can find the podcast and also how to get in contact with us. We'd like to say a big thank you to the Carl United Sports Club London Branch for once again sponsoring the podcast this season. The London Branch is open to all Carl United fans. They've got members from Cornwall to Dundee and Houston to Singapore and of course every part of London and the South East. They regularly meet up on away trips as well as arranging many social events, sporters games and fundraising for the club. This season they'll be providing us with information for the away games as part of the preview section. You can find out more about the London Branch at their website, carlallondonbranch.org. If you haven't already... Please make sure you subscribe to the podcast. You can find us on all good podcast apps, whether it's Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Casts. Basically, search for the Brunton Bugle, click subscribe, and then when a new episode comes out, you'll get a little notification to tell you to download it and listen to it at your leisure. Also, if there's an option to review on any of those apps, please do so. If you can give us a five-star review, that would be really lovely. It's a great way for us to get the message out about the podcast and so more people can learn about it. And uh, yeah, we can spread the word even more. You can also find us on social media, at Brunton Bugle, on Instagram and Twitter. If you go onto Facebook and search for the Brunton Bugle, click like as well. You can follow our page. Uh, we're also on the Be Just On Fear Not Facebook group and also on the Buzzies Back message board, the new message board that's replaced the Cumbrians.net. Uh, and also, if you want to drop us an email, Bugle at gmail.com. Okay, right, time for the new section first. And uh, just a couple of little bits in here. I mean, the first one's one that we missed, actually. Well, we didn't miss. We, it happened after we recorded two weeks ago, but then somehow missed it last week, basically. So it's basically the news that um, Paul Huntington uh, has triggered an extension in his contract, hasn't he, done? Yeah, uh, when, when he signed, there was whispers that he was on sort of appearance-related. I'm mm. assuming that number is around the 25 mark, given yeah. we've played 30 games and he's only missed a couple. Yeah. So, yeah, no, experienced head at the back. You know, you can't, you can't complain. Yeah, so obviously Simo confirmed this in one of his uh, um, pre-game uh, press conferences that basically Paul will be tied down now till the summer of 2024. Interesting revelation in there, though, Mike, wasn't there? That actually there's another trigger in there for next season. So if he hits another target in terms of appearances next season... He gets extended another year to 2025. Yeah, um, and I think regardless of what league we're playing in next season, I think he could certainly do a job. Uh, He might sort of, you know, if he's to extend it next year into the following year, he might sort of 
be playing a bit less, but he's obviously someone who's really good to have around the place and a good professional. Yeah, definitely. And and, and like I said, that he, he had such a positive impact. And, and yes, I know some people have picked up occasionally. He has those little moments, shall we say, in, in games. You know, obviously the Harrogate one that you know cost us the points there. But for what he actually brings, it, you know, those slight mistakes occasionally are worth it, aren't they? Really? In terms well, I think I think you said last week that he's our second best player this season on WhoScored.com. He is, to be fair, actually. Yeah, that's that, that's a really fair point. But I, th- I think because it's all statistic based. I think it's because of his aerial challenges. I, he very rarely loses an aerial challenge, does yeah. he? So, mm. yeah, it's one area we were so dominant this season, aren't we? Mm. I can't think of many teams where they've had a big lad or anything up front where. The big lad has won much of the ball. I mean, I mean, even looking back at that Wimbledon game the other week where Morgan Feeney was beating their lad who had a good two or three inches on him to pretty much every single header, wasn't he? Harry Pell, that was one he was beating, wasn't mm. it? To every single header, so it goes to show. Um, right, well, there's just one more little bit to cover in this, I think. And it, it's not so much a sort of new thing, but it's interesting that the, uh, the DCMS uh, fan-led uh, review white paper was published recently, uh, Dan. And obviously, from a curious viewpoint, you'll have an interesting probably few thoughts on this, but... Generally, as fans, what's our thoughts on it? I've not had a chance to look at it too in depth, but it's stronger than I expected. I, I thought it would be watered down by this stage, but it looks like it's it, it's what we, we were hoping for. Much stronger regulation to stop the kind of shenanigans that have happened at places like Derby County in, in recent seasons, and obviously what happened to Berry as well. And I suppose that's the positive to look at, and potentially more money trickling down to the lower leagues. Yeah, uh, initial... Initial reaction is it's potentially good news. As always, the devil will be in the detail. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, yes, it's been announced it's going to happen. What actually prevails over time will will determine whether it is as good as we hope it is or it's, you know, a bit wishy-washy. But, uh, no, it's... You know the game. The game is probably out of control, isn't it? With money and the sums involved at the Premier League in Europe and whatnot, and uh, it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see what uh, follows in the next few months when it gets all sort of argued, debated. Call it what you wanted, you know. Yeah, it would certainly be interesting to see what happens with that. Um, one thing I did like that, from what I read from it, is the fact that apparently the the big six are going to be expected to stump up half the funding towards the annual costs of the regulator, which I think I thought was quite a Good. L- lovely bit of a justice for them and uh, their behaviour during the whole uh, European Super League saga, isn't it? Really, um, another interesting thing that came out recently, Mike. I don't know if you saw this about the uh, the EFL's uh, new TV deal. Um, it, it looks like potentially Sky are probably going to lose it because. Normally, it, it seems to have been almost like a formality, hasn't it, in recent seasons, where you just say, oh, yeah, Sky are going to renew their deal every two or three years and, you know, carries on as it is. But apparently BT, which actually won't be BT next season, it'll be TNT Sports. And... I was just going to say, I noticed that the other week, the, yeah. the change into TNT well, Sports. They got taken over by, was it Time Warner, I think? Or whatever, I think, I think it was in the Discovery. Discovery arm or something, yeah. Yeah, yeah so basically it, it, it's... It's not going to be a part of the... Well, I don't know how it'll work in terms of the broadband setup and all that, but we'll, we'll find out in the future. But they've shown interest. I think Apple TV potentially have shown interest, and there's a couple of other ones as well that have said they might be interested in bidding. So it's going to be a completely different setup. Potentially every game is up for grabs rather than the old setup of, you know, Saturday 3 p.m.s were sacrosanct. But that's, mm-hmm. that's pretty much out the window now, which I, I think probably is going to be the right way forward. It is, it, you know, you're fighting against the tide with, with people who are legally streaming now, aren't you, really? So, Yeah, I mean, because Sky, 
obviously they've had the deal for the whole EFL, but it may as well have just been the championship that they had the deal for, to yeah. be honest, because it's rare that they show sort of League One, League I, Two games. And I, and I can see both sides, because there isn't yeah. a huge demand for League Two football from neutrals kind of thing, but I think sometimes just slap on a League Two game with a sort of, uh, you know, half-five kick-off or something, and then have your eight o'clock game, you know, on, on a mm. Saturday or something. You usually find when the international breaks are on, they will maybe delve into League One, maybe even League Two. Uh... You, you say that though, but when it's League One, it'll be Sheffield Wednesday. Oh, yeah, or it'll yeah, be yeah, like yeah. Bolton. It, or do you know what I mean? It's always the it, same yeah, it's, sorts it's of clubs. Sheffield, Derby, Bolton, yeah. Plymouth, Portsmouth, you know, those Peterborough. It's always the same seven yeah, or eight yeah. teams. But, you know, but it, you know what I mean? I know we never get a midweek game on telly, but Carlisle Stockport's got the potential to be one of the biggest games of the season yeah, coming yeah, up, hasn't it? You know, and... unfortunately, the next international break, uh, our game that weekend is away at Gillingham, and I can't see that being quite as appealing no. to the team things. Although, admittedly, in the midweek we have got Bradford uh, away on the twenty-first, so possibly you wonder if maybe they'll look at that, maybe if they're looking at some midweek ones then, but. Probably not, to be honest. They don't like travelling too far north either, do they? If they if they can avoid it. No, no, they don't, they don't tend to do they. But there you go. Um, yes, yeah, so that looks like it's going to be quite an interesting deal, that one, because the, the reports are it'll be double the previous deal in terms of the money it'll bring in. Now that's one thing. Thinking, great, you know, more money coming to EFL clubs. My concern is all you're going to see is wages shoot up. You won't see any benefit mm. for for fans in terms of you know reduced. Um, gate prices and stuff like that. Speaking of which, Swindon Town, another club this season, charging £25 to watch League Two mm. football. Astonishing. About a third or fourth well, now, I think. Spe- speaking of that, uh, someone I know was at Hereford the other night. Oh. It was 20 quid there in National League North. That's astonishing. You know, I, I, I suppose, you know, it's costing clubs more for energy. Yeah, yeah, yeah you, you can know. that. And the likes of Hereford in National League North are probably paying several hundred pounds a week to a few players. Yeah. Well, I think without wanting to sort of, you know, make people get out the smallest violin in the world, <laughs> I know that League Two footballers are played, paid very well, but their wages have kind of been pretty stagnant over the past few years. Like a, mm. a player that's worth 1,500 quid a week 10 years ago is probably still on 1,500 quid a week it's today. A point, that. Do you know what I mean? So. Obviously, the championship their really wages need, need to go up really because the cost of living is affecting everyone really. Yeah, the championship is where you'll notice the big difference in terms of wages, definitely in in, mm. in recent seasons. But there you go. Right, I think we've covered that bit. So let let's move on to a quick uh, few minutes on the loan watch. Um, yeah, uh, Max Kilsby and Aaron Athletic and their good form continues apace. Peter Murphy's side picked up a two 0 win at Albion Rovers to. Two late goals in this one, which we'll cover later in the uh, X-Blues section, won't we, Dan? Um, yes. Max played the full 90 minutes once again for the Galaban Keys. They now sit third. With all the teams below them now, I think they fulfilled their game tonight. I think um, I think only Elgin and Forfar, possibly, are still to play uh, that potentially could catch up on them. Um, but this weekend, uh, they've got a home tie with fourth place Stenhouse Muir. Now, that should be a cracking game, that one as well. So, all going really well for them, is it? I, th- I think... At the top, uh, Sterling Albion and, and Dumbarton have pulled away a bit, haven't they? Dan, I think yeah, they're quite yeah. clear. So it's basically a battle to finish in the playoffs for, for Annan at the moment. Um, Lewis Bell and Gretna, they're not having a good time, are they? No. It, it's fair to say. It's, uh, I think they lost 4-0 at home to Civil Service Strollers. 
their sixth defeat in a row, and that leaves them third bottom of the Loden League. Well cleared of second bottom Edinburgh University by 18 points, so it tells you how bad Edinburgh University are. Um, no game for them this weekend. Their next fixture is a week on Saturday when they travel to Bonus United, but yeah, not looking great for them. Luce Bell did play the full 90 minutes in this one again, but I suppose he's getting game time. That's one way of looking at it, but yeah, not, can't be very enjoyable for him at the moment playing in that team. Um, Sam Fishburn, he got a 15-minute cameo in Morpeth Town's 2-1 win at home against Nantwich Town. Um, this weekend, it's a trip to his former club, Lancaster City. Um, I think Morpeth are fairly clear at the bottom, aren't they, at, um, in, a, in the is it the Northern Premier League Premier Division they're in these days. Um, so I think they're, they're comfortably clear of the relegation zone at the moment, so they should be okay for mid-table this season. Kai Nugent was involved in a big game there, wasn't he, Dan? Yeah, Macclesfield were in town at Workington. Macclesfield, who stopped overnight for this game. <laughs> oh, that's astonishing. Even we wouldn't stop overnight in Macclesfield away, would we? And to Probably be fair, not, who no. wants to stay overnight in Workington? But, you know... Oh. Excuse me. Someone <laughs> You're right. But to be fair, he, even John Walsh was saying on the radio, the radio could be a Workington Reds commentator, was saying, what, what did they do this morning? What could they have got up to? <laughs> well, was, apparently, they were, they were spotted playing pool in the old Amazing. club, which is absolutely fantastic. You know. Incredible, that, isn't it? What, what, yeah. what, a, what a wonderful story that is. But yeah, uh, unfortunately, the champions-elect, the big spenders in that division, uh, Macclesfield, they ran out 1-0 winners in front of 1,600 fans at Bury Park. I mean, that that's better than Salford have got for some games this season, isn't it? Yeah, Which I think Reds had a player sent off as well, didn't they? They did. I think late on, Sam Smith was sent. Off. I think it was a fairly mm. even game. I listened to Danny Granger's post-match interview in this, and he, and he was he was he praised his team. Said, "Look, we're playing against full-time players here, and you know, with the budget they've got, they should be top of the league, and they're and they're a good side and and whatnot." But we gave them a good account of ourselves, and it looks like but Workington are going to finish in the playoff places. They're fairly comfortable there at the moment, so potentially a really good experience for for Kai there, possibly as well to to play in some playoff games. I hope. Games. Uh... Sam Smith isn't worrying about his uh, red on. card because he'll have money on his mind, won't he? Oh dear, oh dear. <laughs> <sighs> hang on, hang on, hang on, wait. I've got, it, I've got it somewhere. I forgot about that. Thank you very much. I knew I had that sound effect safe. Um, yeah, so this weekend it's another home fixture of the Reds. They hey, face. Hey, hey. Go on. The writing was on the wall when he got. Oh, the stop it! Stop it! Stop <laughs> it! Stop it! You're getting this one for that one. That's awful. Awful. Anyway, um, yeah, another home fixture for the Reds this weekend. They face Stoke-based Hanley Town, who make the long trip up to West Cumbria. Uh, finally, just a couple more of the, the youth team lads. Uh, Dan Hill, he's at Cleetimo Celtic. Two games he got in this week for them. Uh, 2-2 draw at St. Helens last weekend, followed by a f- midweek 3-1 home defeat to Steeton. Uh, they're constantly bottom of the table in their division. I think they're going down pretty much, which is sad for them. But uh, uh, they've got the... Uh, Home game this weekend uh, against Atherton Laburn. But let me get this right. <laughs> Atherton Labanum Rovers. There's no need for that. Just call them Atherton Rovers. It's much easier. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's their game this weekend. Another one I spotted actually midweek. Lewis Boyd was in nets for Carlisle City. So I don't know if he's gone back on work experience there. Maybe he was injured. And that's I wonder if he has one of those where if they need to use him, they can type deals. Yeah. Sometimes you do that, like yeah. almost like a dual registration, but not really because obviously it's a football league club and you can't do that with football league clubs, can you? I don't think so. So yeah, so that kind of makes sense, I guess. But um, off off topic, do you know on. why Atherton Labanum are so called? Go on. 
quick Google there. They were originally named Laburnum Rovers after yeah. Laburnum Rovers, uh, sorry, Laburnum Plainfields where they played. Yeah. When they joined the uh, one of the leagues, mm-hmm. the Ch- Division Two of the Cheshire County League, they had to change the name as league rules required the name of the town to be included. Oh wow! So they oh, became Afferton Laburnum Rovers. Well, I po- mm. I apologise to Afferton Laburnum Rovers for for <laughs> disparaging their choice of name. There you go. Um, right, well, let's get on to the match review section then, guys. Uh, Quality Town Two, Cal United Five. Yeah, second time in the space of four weeks that United have uh, put five goals on a team. I can't, I can't remember what the other one, who the other one was against, can you? <laughs> Some insignificant team from down the coast, I think. Um, yeah, it, it's it's interesting. Before this game, I was listening to Radio Cumbria and, and, and James Phillips was quite a pains to sort of make out, you know, calling almost in a little bit of a false position and, you know, we, you know, there's still a really good side and stuff and... I don't know about you guys. I felt they were over-egging it a little bit. I just think, well, like, God, they're very good. Jane, Phillips and Lumsden both said that they'd take a point. And I was thinking, no, you, you've got to take three points against these, surely. Yeah, but I I, I, I get did. the whole games in hand thing, but they've only got one win in the last nine or something like that, isn't it? Mm. So I, I was a little bit surprised at that. I, I expected them to be a little bit more confident. I mean, afterwards they were honest and said, look, you know, yeah, of course we did. You know, we take the three points now, but I, th- I yeah. think I think it was more just the you know it's a longest journey, a long yeah, time on the true. bus on a Friday, and that's true. It's true. I got to say before we start here, the state of that pitch, absolute disgrace. How it's how shocking, isn't how are you allowed to be a team in the football league with a pitch that? I'll tell you what, a lot of non-league clubs around Cumbria would have better pitches than that. Mm. Appalling, like it was like a you know it's like a sand pit. It was like the you know up at St Andrews or something, wasn't it? It was. Ridiculous. Um, but yeah, so going into it quite confident, backed by 500 travelling fans and um, all turned out good. In, in terms of the starting eleven, there was one little surprise, wasn't there? In that uh, Joel Senior came in for Jack Ellis, because I think the expectation was he had such a good game last week that Jack Ellis would probably be holding down that place for a while now. Obviously, it was revealed after the game as to why he was left out. It was an injury mm. and Simo wasn't very happy about that. We'll talk about that maybe when we get to the talking points later. But um, yeah, that was the only change. Joel Senior coming in for uh, for Jack Ellis. No, no changes to the bench either. So it, 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 it's nice to have a little bit of consistency in there, I guess. To, to be fair, uh, in his post-match, uh, Simo mentioned, I think we actually had 16 fit outfield players. Yeah. So there, was, right. there wasn't going to be much change, was mm. it? It goes to show, doesn't it? Yeah, we're working with what we've got at the moment, just with injuries and whatnot. So, um, so there you go. Um, yeah, so straight into it. I mean, Crawley started... Okay, I think they had a couple of chances, but I mean, looking back at them on the highlights, they weren't real chances. There was one for the right back that was sliced straight at Holy, and that was it. And then United got the opener, and um, yeah, centre back crossing in for right wing back to head in at the far post. It's total football, isn't it, Mike? Yeah, um, I, I would say that one thing, if you're to be really picky, that we maybe needed to improve on this season was having the wing backs chip in with a couple of goals. Yeah. Um, and it seems like Senior could well. Give us that. Um, but yeah, it was really good football overall. Mellish just caused an absolute chaos, as he does. <laughs> and uh, I mean, Senior couldn't really miss when he got there, could he? It's a great cross, isn't it, as well? Because that's one thing with Mellish he probably needs to improve on a little bit. He gets into good positions. And sometimes his, cro- his crossing's not terrible, but it's it needs a little bit more height on the cross. It needs to be a little bit more placed rather than just launching in for the sake of it. This was sent with purpose to the far post, wasn't it, Dan? This was trying to pick someone out. 
Oh yeah, yeah. It was. Uh, it wasn't just a hit and hope, was it? It was, you know, it was put across to get someone on the end of it. And uh, like you said, we just mentioned there about senior coming in, fully justified his selection, didn't he? Yeah, exactly. It took took his chance because the easy thing probably to be there would be, I'll stick. I'll stick Whelan in, you know. We've we've, we've used him in, in the last game. He came on as a sub for, for Ellis late on, but no, he, he stuck with Senior. And yeah, great reward for that. And then five minutes later, I think it's fair to say two more familiar attacking faces uh, involved in the in this goal. Um, senior actually initially got the ball. He, he intercepted a, a ball forward and played it into Moxon. Could not have waited this pass better, could he, Dan, for Patrick? No, not at all. It was, it was, it was just it was literally. On a five pence piece, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It was a beautiful pass, and 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 you know what? When you look back at it, it's a hell of a finish because it's a really tight angle, isn't it, Mike? Because if you look at it, it would have been easy to, to mess that up or hit it straight at the keeper. But he's really picked his spot, hasn't he? Yeah, definitely. And and it's quite interesting because normally you'd see Patrick play on the left of a front mm. two, um, and obviously he's playing on the right. And I've been a little bit cynical when he's played on the right wing. We've said before that he doesn't seem as effective there but I think mm. that right striker role you know where he's going to have more shots on his right foot and you've got Owen Moxon playing them balls in behind I think he could be very very good but without wanting to get too technical that puts Garner on the left and when Garner's dropping deep and bringing centre-backs with him that sort of lets the likes of Mellish yeah. bomb forward and cause yeah. a lot more problems it's a good point that as well and what I'd say as well else, it's a great finish for angle he's such a clean finisher isn't he um, Patrick, he strikes the ball really well, really, really with purposes. It, it, I don't know how to describe it. It, it doesn't wobble all over the place, is it? it? When it's hit, it's hit from him. Really, really good strike. It's good technique, ball. isn't it? Yeah, really good technique. Uh, well, let's talk about some some great dribbling technique from Owen Ricky Via uh, Moxon. <laughs> There's a reference for the teenagers, there, isn't it? Um, uh, he showed he can score any type of goal, didn't he? Mike, you know, he's got mazy runs added to his repertoire now. Yeah, definitely. And something, again, I was thinking after the Mansfield game, when I was looking for little things to be critical of this season, and the wing-backs not chipping enough goals, is that we hadn't had midfielders score enough goals from inside the box for me. Mm. I think every, every good team you can think of in football history has had a midfielder chip in with probably 10 goals, sort of getting in the box, yeah. getting on the end of things. And Moxon had scored two before now, one of mm. which was away at Harrogate um, when it was kind of Everyone was forward anyway. And then yeah. obviously the, he scored the one at Crewe. But, I mean, this one, it, he just danced his way through the defence, didn't he? And I think everyone was shouting, shoot, 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 for a good uh, 20 yeah. seconds before he actually put it in the net. But, yeah, fantastic you, uh, goal. And hopefully you... added a bit more to his, uh, his value because he's not going to be here next season. No, That's, he's no. just not. No. How, 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 how can you forget his free kick at Hartlepool? No, I'm I'm saying goals from inside the box. That's oh, what I'm right, about. Right, right. Yeah, and it wasn't a free kick; it was a strike. It was just an open yeah. play. It was a good strike, mm. to be fair, like. But yeah, sorry, yeah, it was, yeah. wasn't it? But yeah, but no, it, it's it, it's a fair point. I mean, yeah, it, it, great run. I mean, is it fair to say, Dan, that it was pretty appalling defending though? Uh, it was a mixture. I, I think it, there was a, a little quote from it that said he didn't kind of know what he was doing himself. No, he just no. like, put his head down, kept running, and managed to pop it in, you know, but uh, no, it was just, you know, the lad's, the lad's on fire, isn't it? And yes. But you, you could argue as well, like I said before, Garner drags defenders out of position, you know, when yeah, he comes yeah. deep and that creates space for someone to do that. 
So yeah, 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 definitely, absolutely. Um, at this point, it should be noted Crawley had actually made a substitution not long after this, which tells you how badly they were playing in that sense, but also how much we were just basically getting at them at every chance we could. And obviously, they went to a back four. Didn't do them much good though, because. Uh, um, 12 minutes later, it was 4-0. Um, Moxon returned to being provider for this goal, uh, sent in a free kick to the far post where Feeney's initial header was fairly well saved by the keeper, but it, Feeney was basically, uh, you know, Johnny on the Fox. Johnny on the spot, sorry. And, Johnny um, on the Fox. Fox. Fox in the box. I get mixed up with Fox <laughs> in the box and Johnny on the spot there. Johnny on the spot to poke the ball past the keeper and, uh, and yeah, turn things around from that Mansfield game to be the team that was leading 4-0 at half-time and... Nice to see him chipping with a few goals as well at the moment, isn't it, really? Because it's one of those things with such a strong threat on set pieces. And with players like Mellish, Feeney and Huntington in there, Dan, we really should be getting more goals, shouldn't we? Yeah, definitely. You know, uh, as Mike said, you know, all, all the good teams have goal-scoring players. I'm, I'm just looking at our stats here. Mm. You know, we've got Patrick's up to four in an injury hit. Moxon's on five. Callum Guy's got three. You know, Feeney has three, Huntington has two, we're, we're, Mellish has five. We we're starting to see goals getting spread about. And, yeah. you know, the fact that the likes of Garner and Dennis haven't yeah. scored, Gordon, and we've scored yeah. five, is a bloody good sign. Mm. Well, the, the bad thing is that Mellish one caught me out because I, he just crept out of nowhere up into joint second place with our, in our top scorers chart, hasn't he? <laughs> and I just thought, I was like, what? When when did it, and then I read, oh yeah he scored two against Barrow didn't he I completely forgot he'd done that. <laughs> yeah. I think all of our strikers though bar Dennis have sort of well obviously Garner came in in January as did Gordon but all of our other strikers have had their fair share of injury problems so yeah. whereas Mellish you know playing pretty much every week Touchwood yeah, yeah. He, he, it's it's good that he's he's managed to get up there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, into the second half, uh, if, I, if I should mention, actually, Patrick nearly made it uh, five, didn't he, actually? As well, Actually, nearly made it four because it was before Feeney's goal, but he had a, a great chance from a similar position when he hit it across goal and it was just wide of the post and just far enough forward that Garner couldn't quite get on mm-hmm. the end of it as well, wasn't it? And that was a, a really good opportunity. Into the second half, and Crawley were always going to come out a little bit stronger, you, you'd think, but a little bit frustrating, Mike to concede this goal early on, especially as it was a bit of a. I want to say, I don't want to say people standing watching, but it was kind of one of those goals you look and think, oh, we could have stopped that, couldn't we? Yeah, surely. I think you know our foot maybe went off the gas a little bit. Um, we were talking the other week about the conspiracy theory that the board don't want to get promoted. Mm-hmm. Well, I've got a new conspiracy theory Go this on. season that basically, so say if every player like of our back five well, all back six, including the keeper, is on, say, a £1,000 clean sheet bonus, right? Simo says to them, right, I'll give you you two grand if we don't keep a clean sheet to an individual player. And then that saves us a lot of money because the amount of clean sheets <laughs> that we should have had and we haven't had is just insane this season. Let, let, um, let, let me just say for anyone, <laughs> anyone uh, listening from the club, uh, who is listening... <laughs> It's a joke that it's not. It's not yeah. serious. So don't, don't take it seriously. But yeah, no, a frustrating one really because Moxon switches off on the quick throw in. Initially, Feeney blocks the the shot that comes in, but then a sort of a low ball comes across, and and Ote stood with no one near him, isn't he? And that, that's a little bit frustrating, Dan. Maybe there needs to be a little bit more ruthlessness with something like that. Yeah, um, slightly annoying, but you know, 
with the big games coming up, we need to tighten up on these little things. I have no doubt we will. You know, yeah. you play the better teams, you, you tend to hopefully turn in the better performance. But uh, look, at the end of the day, we've gone away, we've scored five. Yeah. We've repaired the goal difference damage pretty much from the Mansfield game. So, yeah. happy yeah. days. Yeah, that's the good thing, I suppose, in that sense. And, uh, Mellish uh, made it five, didn't he? Um, Jack Armour's corner from the from the right. Initially, Huntington gets a great header in that. I wonder if it actually maybe even crossed the line from this one, because it looks like the keeper might be behind the goal, but you can't really tell from that angle. Mm. As it is, from the loose ball, Mellish is there, and he just about bundles it over the line, and... There's a bit of confusion as to whether he'd given it or not, but um, in the end, yeah, it was given and that made it five. And then, yeah, just frustrating to concede that Telford goal later on. It's a similar one again that he, he was just low ball into the box and he's unmarked to tap it home. And I'm sure Tom Scholey is as annoyed as anyone really with that one because you know, he's probably looking and thinking, I've had no chance with either goal and I'm not really doing anything wrong and I'm not kept a clean sheet. So frustrating for him. Um, I mean, other than that, I mean... I can't find any. I mean, Dennis had a chance, didn't he, as well, potentially, after he came on to make it six, but uh, the keeper made a good save. But, yeah, n- nice, easy afternoon, really, you know, all things considered, wasn't it? Yeah. When you when you fall up at half-time, it, it generally, generally makes the second half a lot easier, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I remember that Mansfield game the other week, and I, I, I kind of wish I'd just knocked it off then, because I was thinking I'd just knock this off, and nothing's going to happen here, and yeah. you know the game's over, don't you? Really, especially when you see the performance they put in the first half, they never threatened really Crawley. So good, good, good all round. I mean, in terms of talking points, I mean, ruthless performance that's the key thing that comes out of this, isn't it? Really, in terms of you know, if you look at the bareface stats, United had half as much of the ball, they only had six shots more than Crawley, and a worse pass completion. It's about being brave on the ball, though, isn't it? That. We did to them what Mansfield did to us, basically. Yeah. We were just ruthless with the ball. Yeah, exactly. And sometimes you need that. It's a case of having having a low pass completion percentage isn't necessarily a bad thing, is it, Dan? Because it maybe shows that actually you're being brave and trying to play those through balls and and pick players out rather than, you know, it's easy to play passes across the back back three as we saw with Barrow the other week when we played them, you know. But if 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 you really want to go, you've got to be brave for the ball, haven't you, Dan? Yeah, too right. You you don't get goals without having a go, you know. Yeah. And we're clearly having a go, you know. Diagonal balls, through balls, we try it all, you know. Charging runs, you know, and we, we get rewarded for it. One one of my favourite footballing stats of all time is that the year that Leicester won the Premier League, they had the worst pass success rate in the league. Yeah, because because it was just they were just lumping it to Jamie Vardy, yeah, over the top nine times out of ten. You know, a defender would block it, but that one time out of ten, he was clean through on goal and he scored. Yeah, this yeah. goes to show, doesn't it? Really, and yeah, the ruthless in front of goal helped as well. Um, let's talk about senior special moment then for him. You know, you know, just over twelve months after he, he picked up that injury in his what fourth or fifth game for us, I think it was back then. He's got his first goal for the Blues, and yeah, it, it just goes to show. You know, opportunities are going to pop up occasionally for, for players, and, and he's taken it. He, he probably looked and thought. Well, well, the way Ellis played last week, I thought well, was probably going to be me waiting for my chance for a little bit now. But as it is, a week later, he's in the style eleven. He shows what he can do. He said this week in his interview, hasn't he, Dan? That he, he's he, he feels like he need, he has more to offer. He feels he's still got to work on his fitness and build that up. He's been very honest about the fact that it's tough, you know, when you come back from injury like that. But he feels like his big strong attribute as a right wing back is is attacking, isn't it? 
Yeah, it's, it's, it's probably a bit of a closing that chapter from the injury, the goal. It's a bit yeah. of a milestone, you know what yeah. I mean? He's, he's had his layoff, he's come back, he's been in and out, you know, he's still still feeling his way back, but coming back in the team due to Ellis's injury and then capping it off with a goal, you know, that's that's sort of your draw the line moment, right, let's it's push on. first football know. league goal as well for him, isn't it? So, yeah, you know, it's yeah. uh, a really good sort of platform for him to hopefully build on and kick on and have a good career. Definitely, definitely. A mention for Jack Ellis now, because obviously Simo in the post-match interview was not a happy man, was he? I think it's fair to say. Mm. So to explain for anyone who's not heard it, essentially Jack Ellis picked up a, a niggly sort of um, hamstring injury at the start of uh, last week, um, but didn't tell the medical staff about it. And it obviously carried on training up maybe one or two more days that week, and then it got worse. They had to drop out of training on Friday when by that point Simo had already decided on the team and he was going to be in it. So safe to say Simo is not very happy about that and basically said to him, look, you need to be telling us when you've got injuries like this. I, a bit of a learning curve for him, is it fair to say, Dan? Yeah, probably. Uh, obviously, we don't know when he first felt the twinge yeah, yeah. officially, etc. He, he's probably thought he knows best and... Maybe if he'd said Monday or Tuesday, you know, I just feel slightly that they'd have pulled him out one day and he'd have been all right for the weekend, you know. But you live and learn. He'll, he'll have had a he'll have had a bollocking. It'll have been yeah. moved on from already. And yeah. He goes again when he's fit. But Simo said as well, with his last injury that he had, that was his like, first ever injury. Like he'd never really yeah. been injured at youth level or anything. So it's probably a case of him sort of learning his body and learning what because a lot of pros they do play with little niggles here and yeah. there and it's a case of learning what you can play on and what you can't really yeah, yeah. absolutely and uh, it should be noted as well obviously he just got back from injury and got himself into the team again uh, you do wonder if it's one of those things if he'd maybe been playing for the last two months solid and he got that little you know niggle he might not have done it the same he might have gone to them and said look i've got a little bit of an issue but I think I'll be all right for Friday. I'm okay to sit out training, whatever, and they would have given him the treatment he needs. But I think but he I, was, I think he was from worried his about side, keeping his place, maybe. Yeah, exactly. Well, I think you, you said it there. I think from his side is that he knew that Senior's chomping at the bit to play, and yeah. he needs to keep his place in the team. Otherwise, you know, if Senior comes in and does well, which he has done, you know, yeah. Ellis is going to struggle to get back in when he's fit again. Yeah, at least he's going to get his chances, though. So, you know, it's, mm. it's one of those ones. Senior's now got a whole month, basically, to, to, to pin down that place. And as it is, we haven't got a Tuesday night game till Bradford. And, you know, this is a chance for him to have a, a few weeks, you know, three Saturdays in a row yeah. of building his fitness up again. And hopefully that means he'll be fine for the rest of the season. Because we've got to remember as well, it's only four or five weeks till Finn Bax back as well. Mm. And we're going to have three... I was just going to say that. We're going to have... But he's going to arrive round about the same time Ellis is back, which, which must be a frustrating thing for Ellis as well to think... Not only have I picked up an injury, it's four weeks and it's going to be around about the time Finn backs back. And if Senior's doing so well by that point, Ellis probably find himself maybe twiddling his thumbs a little bit for the rest of the season, possibly. He might not be able to get into the squad. So that'll be frustrating for him. And, and But it's exciting to think we've got three quality right wing backs for the rest of the season, potentially from, from the start of next month, isn't it? Yeah, just, yeah, just goes definitely. to show. Um, Mari Patrick, is he back to his best? You know, he's had a, He's had a frustrating season, hasn't he, Dan, really, in terms of been in and out of the squad, you know, and, and you know, coming back from one injury, doing so well on his comeback game, and then being out again. Considering how well he did when he came back in January last year, 
we all thought, right, we're going to see the real Mario Patrick next season. He's going to be flying. You know, he's, he's come back an even better player than the one that left us originally to go to Burton. He's had to bide his time, but him and Garner are starting to form a really nice partnership, aren't they? Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting how we've got at the moment four fit forwards. We thought there might be a bit more interchangeable, but it, it, it seems to be Garner and Patrick or Dennis and Gordon, doesn't it? You know, yeah. like for like. Uh, but no, yeah, Pat- Patrick's uh, he's, he's starting to pick a pace up, and you know, for for the running, that's going to be brilliant. You know, I mean, he could have had a hat trick in this game, to be fair as well. Do, do you think that's important, Mike, as well, in terms of the, the partnership that Dan mentioned there? The fact that it maybe actually helps having two two partnerships working with each other to work on the the close links and stuff, so that you can drop either into the team when you need to. Yeah, definitely. Um... And we know that Patrick is a confidence player, really. Uh, so I think getting that goal is massive to him. But, I mean, we've got to touch on Joe Garner. By, by all accounts, a lot of people who were there saying that he was man of the match and he didn't even score. But I think Garner doesn't need to score for his confidence. Garner is quite happy to sort of provide goals and cause other teams problems. Um, but yeah, they they seem like the sort of go-to strike partnership now, and it's mad that the league's top goal scorer is sitting on the bench. He's got to wait his time, hasn't he? Mm. And like like you said about the being the man of the match, there, I, I thought he was man of the match against Colchester. So that's two games in a row mm. where he's not scored, but he's all round contribution. You see it on even on the highlights clips. He's winning free kicks, he's winning headers, and even for, for the first goal, that long great kick forward by Holy. He's there retrieving the ball right on the goal line and, and, and mm. playing it back, isn't he? So and I think it helps yeah. Holy's kicking having Garner to aim for as oh, well, rather 100%. than Palmer. Yeah, 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 agreed. Yeah. There. That's made a big difference, and and he seems to be playing with a smile on his face. You see, even when he's not scoring, he's enjoying other players scoring. He's a he's the elder statesman now, isn't he, in the squad? Really, mm. so he, he seems to be thriving on that role, which is really you say he's the say. elder statesman, but he's still the cheeky nineteen-year-old that we had last time he's, at the same he's time. He's still got a baby face, isn't he? It's the mm. thing. A little bit more of a beard on him now, but there you go. Um, set piece for variety. How how important has this been, Mike, in terms of mixing things up? Because we saw when back in sort of a uh, October, November, when Taylor Charters came into the team, it gave us a real extra option, didn't it? Because previously it's been Moxon taking them on both sides. He had, mm. uh, you know, from the left an in swinger, from the right an out swinger. Bringing Charters on in his left foot brought us in swingers on both sides, which with the strike, you know, the heading talent we've got makes a big difference. Armour's doing it now. He's, he's been brought in to do it. How, how much of an impact do you think that's made? Yeah, well, a, f- a few of Armour's corners, even ones that we haven't got goals off, have certainly caused other teams' problems. Mm. Um, yeah, it's it's good it's good to have that threat because we do have a f- few big lads, that, you know, having them all in the box. I mean, often, because Feeney isn't, I think Feeney's only like 5'10". Mm. He winds up on Mark, but he's only 5'10", but he's one of our best players in the air. So it's hard for teams to designate who should mark who when we have so many threatening players. I reckon Feeney's a touch over six. Not not massively, but I think he might be six six one because I don't think he's the same height as me. I think I feel like he's a little bit taller. But the problem is, Huntington and Mellish are so tall, he looks smaller in next than us. Yeah, true. But I mean, Mellish doesn't even really attack corners, does he really? He just sits on the keeper most of the time. Well, so, Mellish just yeah. gets manhandled by someone else. Well, yeah. well distracts him, uh, doesn't it? It's, it's, yeah. it's ridiculous, isn't it? There you go. Um... Any areas you think we can still improve on at the moment, Dan? What do you think? Uh, can we complain? We're the highest scoring team, you know. Yeah. We're Carlisle fans, of course, we can complain. <laughs> well, yeah, but, but it's that. But, uh, 
I'd, I'd like to see us try a couple of cheeky routines now and again. Yeah. yeah. Not every game, just chuck one in now and again. Just, I'm a big fan of a a, work, a training ground routine. Yeah. It's kind of it's one of those things we haven't really seen as much, but things were so good in terms of separation. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's hard one to do, isn't it? And in terms of sort of general plays, well, I think it's just cutting out mistakes that give those soft. Because a lot of the goals we conceded lately have been very soft. That's that's the that's the frustrating thing. It's yeah. not like we've been cut apart by brilliant passing players. That's that's the thing. If, if that happens, you go fair enough. You know they're a good team, whether but they all feel like avoidable goals ones we conceded. Um, yeah, I'd agree. With you. That's the only thing I can think of, and. and It'd be nice to win a few more like direct free kicks and maybe get a couple of those on target because they've not been great. But I, I won't comment on Jordan Gibson's uh, free kick taking any any longer because I've done that a few times recently. Well, I think earlier in the season we were not winning many direct free no, kicks, it's, like, it's true. and I think that's something that Garner will bring to the team, and well, already has started bringing to the team. Yeah, you'd hope so. Uh, I think that pretty much sums it up. Then, yeah, we're all pretty happy with a, a five-two win. Can't really grumble at all. So. Uh, Let's move on and um, we'll go to the second half. We'll preview the Grimsby Town game. This is John Mellish. You listen to the Brunt and Bugle. And we're into the second half now where we're going to be looking ahead to this weekend's game against Grimsby Town at Brunton Park. Right, we'll start off with a question of the week first. Well, I've got one for you guys. I've got a couple, actually. I'm, I'm going to mix it up and I'm a couple. In a similar style to what you guys have done in, in previous ones, it's about appearances. First up, I've got a couple of players who play for both clubs to talk about and that's Simon Grant and Josh Gowling both players have played for play for Grimsby after they had played for Carlisle um, Grand actually left Carlisle to go to Grimsby he joined them on loan and then went permanently there for, for a short while uh, Gowling was about a good four or five years later I think after us now what I want you to tell me is first up how many games did Josh Gowling play for Carlisle United it wasn't very many have we not done this before I don't think you've done Gowling before, no. No. Done someone else similar, but Josh Gowling, how many games has he played for Cal United? I'll punt. Somewhat silly, like five. It wasn't many. Yeah, I'll I'll say like eight. The answer is four. Uh, four league appearances for Cal United, so there you go. Uh, and secondly, Simon Grant, how many league appearances and goals did he get like for the Blues? football league appearances? Uh, no, just league. So okay. that includes the, the conference. Uh, I'll Is say, that for us? For us, yes. How many did he get for us? I'll say th- 36. And goals, how many do you reckon? Five. What are you going for, Don? Uh, I'll say 40 appearances, three goals. The answer is, you're very close, Mike. 35 appearances and four goals. Oh. You got it's time for us so, that, so there you go so that, that was that was a nice little question of the week there for you, for you guys um, moving on to the Grimsby Town preview so first up we've got Behind the Enemy Lines where we talk to an opposition fan about their club and how things are going on and this week I spoke to Alex from the DN35 podcast um, yeah uh, this was recorded on Tuesday night so before their incredible result against Southampton in the FA Cup. We did joke about that at the start. I did say, here's two alternative possible starts here. Commiserations on your defeat or what an incredible victory you got over Southampton, which we obviously know which one was the right one now. Um, it was a really good chat. This actually it was longer than even the normal ones. I think it was a good 22, 23 minutes or like that. But really interesting to talk about some of the parallels between the two clubs. Um, we talked a lot about their incredible FA Cup run this season. Uh, what it's like being in the archetypal mid-table League Two side this campaign and 
a little bit about how Max Crocombe is reviewed by the Mariners faithful. So here's the chat I had with Alex earlier in the week. So yes, we're into the behind enemy line section here and we're going to be speaking to Alex from the DN35 uh, Grimsby Town podcast. I presume DN35 is the postcode. Yeah, we're not... Grimsby aren't important enough to have their own sort of postcode. We have to borrow Doncaster's. It's it's mad that, isn't it? Because you're in a completely different county as well. Yeah. It's hours away. Yeah, it is ridiculous. It's it's a mad one, I suppose. But I mean, mean, Barrow is in Cumbria and they've got an L postcode, LA postcode, because they still think they're in Lancashire, basically. Um, But that that says all you need to know about Barrow. Anyway, Um, Alex, right, let's get into this. Let's talk about Grimsby Town. We'll get this out of the way first because we've got to make this clear. We're recording this early in the week, so it's before your big cup tie against Southampton. Well over 4,000 tickets sold for a midweek trip to the South Coast. I think that's an unbelievable effort. Really, really good. How much has this cup run helped galvanise the club? Uh, can I be honest from my side of things? Go it on. hasn't. It hasn't felt incredible. No? Uh, it's weird, isn't it? Like I was really impressed with our... I've, my personal opinion is the FA Cup treats us with disrespect. Like the piece of tin just disrespects our club ever since like the semi-finals in the second world war if we win it you know in three in you know three games time i want to do a sergio ramos and drive the bus over it Uh, (laughs) but um it's been it's been interesting and it's kind of been sort of sprinkled a lot lot around some unimpressive performances so you know um we even when we used to be a a um like a championship club I mean, most of the time in the League Cup, we used to get you guys for a start, first round. Oh, I remember you beat us 6-0. I think that was the yeah. first time I went to Grimsby, and the, the, my, my lasting memory of it is there's a hell of a lot of dog shit around your ground. Yeah, That's there was. That's stuck in my head for years and years. <laughs> I've been a few times since and not seen as much, so it's, it's oh, Well, I'm glad it's improving. <laughs> Some of that, or everyone's eating the dogs for stuff. <laughs> um, um, but, but I actually used, yeah, there was a game that we played against you guys that I use as reference for sort of how far we've fallen. I think we beat you 3-1, and I can remember we didn't even get out of second gear. And it was the yeah. times when you didn't have t- teams and you guys were the perennial strugglers in the league. Yeah, we were. And you'd be like, oh, well, we'll never be in a mess like Carlisle was back then. Uh, <laughs> and then to fast forward. It comes back to bite years. you on the arse stuff does, like that, doesn't it? It really it, does. That's, that's the way I think the world works, unfortunately, football-wise. So, but, so but, yeah, it, go, yeah, sorry, gone. No, no, but it's been, it's been, it has been nice and it's been good. But every every draw has been sort of twinged with that slight disappointment that, oh, we could have got such a better draw. Like Luton. Luton away. Yeah. I mean, there's not many grounds yeah. we can go to that are worse than ours, um, yeah. but we've managed it. And uh, and then Southampton's great. It's a club we actually haven't played. Only Man United have hidden from us longer, um, and um, we haven't played them since I think '78. So it's a new ground for a lot of fans, which is one of the reasons I think we've taken so many. Though obviously there's not much to do in Grimsby, so that helps. Um, and um, so yeah, it's been it's been good. And today, it, for the first time, felt like oh yeah, this is looking forward. And some people saying stupid things, me included, like you know, three games from Europe. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you never know. You never know. I mean. Where you'd have to play your games, I don't know, because I'm guessing your ground wouldn't be up to UEFA standards. How so. dare you? Yeah, I'm, no, I'm making this unfair, but <laughs> <laughs> it'd probably be Hull. Would be the first yeah. when we were looking at our league performance. We were thinking we're going to be the first club that has to rearrange a home game against Dorking because we got Basic that away. That would be um, incredible, wouldn't it? But and, yeah. Uh, it's it's been good and it's um it's a nice little buzz around the town and nice bit nice bit of attention. We've sat too much in Wrexham shadows over the last couple of years mm. um, both during the playoffs and in the National League 
um, and uh, during this FA Cup run as well because um, it's just of how it's fallen. But um, it's nice to have had that little bit of attention for everyone. Make the sponsors make a bit of money and stuff. Exactly, exactly. I mean, we'll we'll move on in a sec. Obviously, I will say the the bigotry. Oh, fantastic! What a great uh, couple upset you got for that game, or commiserations, you know, you may, or well, you know, you getting back is probably going to help us. So it could be any of those options. But yeah, of course, got, got to ask you about Harry the Haddock because that's been the big scandal for this FA Cup tie. Isn't it? Tell, <laughs> explain that one to our fans because uh, basically it's about an inflatable fish, and that's all I'm going to leave it and let you. Yeah, it's. It. It came in from the early 80s. I think we played Wimbledon when they were the crazy gang and they took thousands of them there. And there's been sort of like four, I think, reiterations of it over the years. It's quite hard actually to organise an inflatable fish to be, (laughs) you know, built and constructed and sold. Um, But we did that. But Southampton, the the second they they worked it out, they went, yeah, no, that's fine. Let them in. So all credits of Crystal Palace on on the other hand, though, we we took them and they just immediately confiscated all of them. So there was like... There was 6,000 there that night in the FA Cup. And we must have lost so many brave fish, brave inflatable fish. But um, it's not the first time we've had problems with inflatables. Barnet are pretty good with it. They, a steward sued us, uh, a fan for hitting him over the head with an inflatable shark. I remember seeing that. That, yeah. that was just ridiculous, wasn't it? It was amazing. I'm not not a big fan of uh, of Barnet anyway, because we, we went there a few years ago, me and Mike off the, off the pod and actually Dan as well. And we got to the ground 15 minutes before kickoff, and we didn't get into the ground until 15 minutes after kickoff. Wow. One turnstile open, and there was over five, six hundred car fans there, and they just clearly didn't anticipate that many coming. So, yeah, not, not massive fans of the hive. No. Just to put it that way. Um, no, it's it could be great, but it's, um, yeah, it's not brilliantly organised. No, certainly not. Right, let's move on for the FA Cup. Let's talk about the league. Um, you appear to be the archetypal inconsistent mid-table side this season you've picked up some <laughs> some great results against some decent teams and lost against teams that are struggling near the bottom I mean, you only have to look at your last few games really for that you've lost against Gilliam and Colchester with a caveat there that they are two improved sides but then you've also beaten Northampton and drawn at Leighton Orient I mean, it, what, what's going on this season could you just not really find that consistency I suppose yeah, it's a little bit of that. Um, late in Orient, we should have won. We missed a penalty and mm. we, were the, we were the better team throughout. Um, but um, any team that sticks 11 men behind the ball, we're just nonplussed. We're a team that don't have a plan B. We've got two short guys up front that work really hard and can get involved, but um, they don't have that physical presence that teams like Colchester, Harrogate uh, and, and Gillingham have. Um, yeah. So when you want to start mixing it and put it in the mixer with 10 minutes to go... Um, we're we're just all out of ideas, and we're a bit too those those games in particular, um, a bit ponderous. Not very good when you've got eleven men behind the ball. We're not quick enough. To, we don't have the I think the first touch to be able to spread the ball quickly enough to you know move it from one side to the other, um, well enough to 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 create an opening. Uh, but when we play teams like Crew or well sorry Northampton and Luton and and whoever. If they give us space and they give us the time to have the ball, we're, we're, we're brilliant. And those players, they're almost too good for the position they are. And then they don't have any bully boys around them with the physicality they need to to, to get forward. I think if we had someone like Christian Dennis, <laughs> then, you know, we'd be we'd be slightly higher up. We are in a little bit of a false position because we've got a fair few games in hand yeah. on most people. But um, those games run out pretty quickly. Yeah. Uh, and you tend to only move a couple of points up. So um, we're a work in progress. We came up a season too early and we don't ha- we haven't found that, uh, you know, Matty Langstaff that Notts County have. 
Uh, we need to find one. But no one seems to have a decent striker nowadays. No, no we've had, what, 22 players score for us this season, mm. which is the most out of anyone in the Football League. Um, so it goes, uh, they come from everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Interesting, you know, you've brought me quite nicely to my next question. I was, I was actually going to say that having won promotion last summer via the National League playoffs, I mean, you bounce back at the first attempt, which again, some very strong, well-backed financially sides, and that's kind of an example, and Chesterfield, and obviously everyone knows Wrexham. But um, was it always a case of making sure you kept your heads above water this season and out of trouble? Because I'm looking at the table, you, you could get dragged back into it, but I, I, I can't see... All of those sides below you suddenly going on enough of a run to overhaul you. So you you're probably just out of touch of that maybe, but you're not going to be contending for a playoff place, obviously. No, and I think that could have been different before Christmas. Uh, yeah. But it's the 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 few defeats we had after that really sort of paid away. So from sort of like you know um, late October onwards, we really struggled to to get any points on the board. Um, that's changed now, as you imagine, with you know the the January transfer window just um, it, we end up all having two teams again don't we a season yeah well it's, uh, it's funny you say that because uh, Carlisle we were quite lucky and all we've done is replaced three of the loanies and brought in Joe Garner and we haven't lost any players that's so, which, which has actually really helped us massively I think that, that that goes to show doesn't it I suppose yeah and I think the, that's one of the problems we have we look you know every club down here is can be so reliant on loan players that teams seem to be reluctant to give you them for more than a, for more than six months so then it's you know you throw the dice up in the air and you see what team you get at the end of it um we're um we, we'll be okay um i'm looking for 14th this season uh we haven't finished above 14th since 2006 which wow. is incredible so if we can it's it sounds such a low target at times especially for a newly promoted club but if we can do that i think it it's a nice little sort of monkey off our backs if we can do that and it also gives the impression for other teams as well i worry what players think when they look at us like you guys used to have in the 90s like Mm. are we just perennial strugglers grimsby so i don't really want to go there so if i've got a choice of them or i've got bradford i might not get as much game time at bradford but i'm not i'm not likely to be either looking for a new club because they've gone down to national league and i think if we can sort of promote ourselves and show that we're an established league two club again then it looks a bit better for us. 2006 was back when we were both battling at the top of League Two, wasn't it? I think we had some yeah. probably good ding-dongs that season. I think we got did th- double over you, but then we had Michael Bridges in our team and we could be anybody on our day back then. So, um, do you know what? I still think we're trying to sign Michael Bridges. <sighs> Him and Ryan Lowe are the two players that every transfer window that used to come round, like, oh, Michael Bridges is interested. <laughs> And um, yeah, um, I think even like five years ago, it was still a conversation. <laughs> <laughs> well, our fan is still bang on about the idea of him becoming our manager one day as well. He's back in the UK now. He's moved back from Australia. So you never know, maybe one day, but I think we're quite happy with Paul Simpson at the moment. I think it's fair to say. Uh, well, speaking of managers, Paul Hurst, what, what, what's the thoughts on him among the fan base? I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm guessing he's a bit of a hero for getting you back so quickly, especially with the level of quality you probably had in your squad compared against those other teams in the, in the National League. Is, is he still the right man for you guys? Um, it's an interesting one because we've had him for a, a sort of an accumulation of nearly a decade at times. You get to that point where I think it's a long-term relationship that sometimes yeah. you can load the dishwasher the wrong way too many times that people then the you know the final straw on the camel's back. Um, he's he's his criticism is is uh, critics would say that he is slow with tactical changes. Um, he's quite stubborn. He doesn't make substitutions quickly and doesn't react to what's happening on the pitch. Those who are very pro him would say he um, 
is great at finding rough diamonds and, and merging them that um whatever you may say about him he's got us promoted twice um we've also had you know this fa cup run which is incredible for us yeah. um so what else do you need like we we are getting there and it's all about slow progress and he's got us back at the first time of asking so we're probably a little bit ahead of ourselves but i think there's a little bit of a middle ground there you know he could be better but in all in all as long as he's he i know he works hard he's not ian holloway so he's not you know a charlatan <laughs> pretending yeah. to be a football manager he's um he's an honest hard-working manager who could probably improve in some aspects but as long as I'm listening to the radio after the end of the game and he's he's seen the same game I have, I'm quite happy. Yeah. And that's usually something that I rely on. But when they, if he starts making stuff up or, you know, going, well, this didn't work. Like, well, no, I didn't see that. He's usually pretty honest with his assessment of games. So I'm quite happy with him. I, I think that's a really good way of looking at it, actually. I never really thought about that. But when I think about it, when I listen to a Paul Simpson post-match, I sit there and a long go, yep, yep. He's been yeah. fair there. He doesn't doesn't sugarcoat it if we're rubbish. He says, you know, if we're not good enough, we're not good enough. But he's also not going to go in harsh on them all the time. You know, if we, if, if we have a bad game, he, he's, he's fair. So yeah, it, it's a really good way of looking at that. Um, owners, he had new owners. I think, I can't, was it, have you had them for just over a year and a half now, I think, is yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, something How like they that. I love them. They're amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, honest guys. One uh, helped launch uh, lastminute.com and match.com and Skyscanner. The other is a, a local um, entrepreneur and businessman who does lots of uh, hedge fund deals and a lot of property deals. But his his family is known as the local town butchers. Mm. So whenever we just go to these, he's an impressive character. But literally every fan's forum is like, when are you bringing the sausages back? And when he, <laughs> it's like, I didn't work in the butcher's shop. That was the other well, side of the family. He, he'll get on well with our owner, Andrew Jenkins, who runs Pioneer Food Hall in, in, in Cumbria. He's a, he, a butcher of, what, 84 years? He's, he's there you go. Time. Don't do that. Yeah. They'll never stop. But um, yeah. yeah, he'll be. Um, it's, a, it's a great, they're honest guys. They work really hard. They're saying all the right things. They invested, the accounts came out yesterday mm-hmm. and it looks like they've invested 1.5 million since they've come in. And uh, to be honest, it's needed it, which is a shame yeah. because they've had to put so much money in just to get us back to, you know, probably the same standard you guys have currently. Yeah. And so it's it's sad they've had to do that. It hasn't helped to improve, but they're looking at building a training facility. The only thing I think we, where we differ is Blundell Park, unfortunately had the ravages of the Taylor report. So it's all seater. It's not like what um, Carlisle's ground is. Um, so we're quite restricted and we've got something like 6,000 season ticket holders in a two in an 8,000 stadium. So if you're wanting to take a family of four to watch a game, it's pretty hard to get four tickets together. And mm-hmm. um, expansion is probably some way down the line. And the talk of a new stadium is, is, is mute. And I understand that you don't want to put that on the shoulders yeah. of a club a 25 million stadium for what could be very little in terms of positives from it. Yeah, no, I think a couple of interesting points there. I mean, the, the training ground thing, Paul Simpson has been banging on about that with us for quite recently. He's made a point, you know, I mean, our training ground is right behind the, the waterworks end, well, I think, but it's the wrong side of the flood barrier. So it floods all the time. So <laughs> in the winter, you can cracking, barely... Cracking water polo team. Yeah, <laughs> you, you can barely use it in the winter. That's the problem. So we have well, to train at Gretna and all kinds of places. So. We, this is interesting because we're probably two two teams cut from the same cloth mm. where the constant conversation we have around the team is, well, what do we, 
how do we attract people to Grimsby? Yeah. And I assume you probably have the same conversation. Yep, distance, and then definitely. The, <laughs> yeah, and the conversation goes, well, why don't we just have our training ground in Sheffield or in Leeds and then just do what Barrow do and bring them up? Yeah. And and the owners were quite clear on it. It says, look, the training ground is more than just the benefit of the players. It's for the benefit of the community. So yeah. it's the women's team, it's the youth team, it's the kid teams, it's anything else as well around that bringing schools in so they can see how professional athletes work and alike it's more than just that so i think they're right um but it's an interesting conversation it'd be it'd be wonderful at some point to hear your struggles on how you do i know you look to north of the border as well at times but um it'd be interesting to see your struggles because um it's very hard to sell grimsby at times it's, it's the, the scottish thing you'd think yeah we you think we'd exploit it more but we haven't really done the years and it's a it's a constant frustration of our fans that we don't, especially when you see a prime example, Nicky Cadden, who's, you know, brilliant player for Forest Green Rovers in, in recent seasons, now playing for Barnsley in, in League One. Um, he's someone who, you know, we, we were saying like, he, he passed by us. You know, he was at Livingston or something like that. And he went, or Green, I think it was. And he went right by us to go yeah. all the way down to Forest Green. Why aren't we trying to sign a player like that? And that the problem was we got our fingers burnt a few seasons ago when we signed a couple of players from Scotland one of which Christy Elliott did not turn out good at all. He he was really poor. He's actually retired now. That's how well his career's gone since. Yeah. There was Jack Idell, who's at Bolton. So we let him go because Chris Beach didn't fancy him and it turns out actually he is quite a good player, it seems. So um, so yeah, it, that, that's a hit and miss one. But yeah, the, the things with the ground as well, but as much as our ground's very spacious, it, it, it is falling to bits and that's another thing. But I do, I've, do you know what? And this is the problem. I've never been. But yeah. it's like uh, the amount of times I've gone, I wish I had your home end. I wish we had terracing. It, it, it's oh. nice. It's it's good, and I I I I I've got a terracing season ticket, so I I love it. But at the same time, I also re- also recognise the fact that the, the ground doesn't make money on a non-match day. Yeah, and that's a big part of being a, a lower league club these days. And there's not there's not a massive amount of sort of conference facilities and that kind of thing in Cumbria. So it'd be a brilliant opportunity. So I think it's one of those things we're looking at the salon clause from Dion. De- sorry, Dion Dean Henderson this summer. That's potentially going to wipe out our debt and possibly leave a little bit of money over to Former build the Grimsby training player, Grimsby, Dean Indeed, Henderson. indeed. And uh, and Jared Branford as well, who's obviously at Everton on load at PSV at the moment. Man United and Liverpool sniffing on him. So we, we could get the thick end of 7 to 10 million in salon clauses this summer, which would be transformational, especially with someone like Paul Simpson at the helm. But that, I'm going off on a little bit of a tangent here. So you're getting, you're going into Carlisle wet dream territory there. Exactly. Really, you? V- very excited about that kind of thing, but there you go. Um, right. Uh, with us with our FA Cup. Yes. <laughs> Let's talk about uh, your squad then. Uh, who are the key danger men to look out for? Yeah, it's really interesting. We've got quite a, a, a collection of players. So Josh Emmanuel is probably the the, the best one of the best footballers in League Two. We were so lucky to get him. He used to play for Hall mm. City. Probably the best, at the time, was the best right back in the Championship. Uh, came under a, a fair number of uh, illnesses and uh, conditions and injuries. And so had his contract cancelled at Hull. And we've got him now for six months till the end of the season as our mm. player. Um, he will most likely move on to a League One Championship club at the end of yeah. it. He is head and shoulders above absolutely everybody um, he's quick, he's dynamic, he provided the two sumptuous crosses against Northampton um, and he shouldn't be here and that's also a problem because his head is somewhere that our League 2 players are not um, and um, he's a really interesting one and we haven't had that sort of ability and quality in the state team for mm-hmm. a long time um, James uh, John McAtee is brilliant, love him yeah. he's on loan from Luton 
there are some and me included that's he's not sort of revisited the same form he had last season yet he's um um but he's always worth you know he's always creating things and and being a spark um outside of that um Luke Waterfall is always sort of a stoic strong captain who can head yeah. will head a bus stop um <laughs> and um is is just brilliant at that and then you've got Gavin Hollahan who obviously can crack mm. a ball in from 30 miles away and then the last player I'd point out is Harry Clifton who is our born and bred youngster um under Wales under 21 international works his uh, works his uh, off really hope he has a terrible game tomorrow so <laughs> There's no scouts watching him too closely. He bleeds Grimsby. Um, there's loads of videos of him as a kid, like, you know, being interviewed at the end of games and stuff. And yeah. Um, yeah, he's just, you know, he's the player you want and, and you love. Plays every position. If it was a championship manager play, a player, every position would be green. Yeah, um, yeah he's brilliant. Re- reminds me very much of Owen Moxon in that sense for all school. So he's Carlisle lad. He left, he left us when he was 16, came back eight years later. And according to whoscored.com, he's the best player in League Two this season, having joined us from Annan in the summer, which that that is an example of actually picking up a player from Scotland, having said that we didn't pick any of them. So <laughs> we've got the best player in League Two now, and we signed him from Scotland. So there you go. I mean, he will go in the summer for big money. I have zero doubt about that. But I'm slightly picked... worried that you guys are going to be rolling in it, and even Wrexham are going to be going, hang on, well, boys. <laughs> the problem is we, we basically need to pay off the debt. That's the main thing. I think Henderson's the most likely to go, but there you go. Um, qu- quickly, before we wrap up, I just want to talk about some of the links in the two teams between the clubs. Um, Max Crocombe, he's your goalkeeper. He was with us for a couple of mm-hmm. seasons, I think it was. He he was only back up. I don't think he actually played a league game. For I think he only played in the trophy, mostly, um, possibly in the League Cup. Um, how, how's he done for you guys? He's brilliant. He's mm. incredible. Um, he was one of the players I should have really mentioned. <laughs> um, we have the that Max Verstappen Super Max chant for him, mostly because yeah. it winds up the rest of the podcast. They're all big <laughs> uh, Lewis Hamilton fans, uh, but um, he's um, he's great. He's uh, made some brilliant saves. He's brilliant at collecting a ball. James McEwen, who used to be the long term stalwart in the uh, at the club before that, was uh, an incredible shot stopper, but probably didn't have that as an attribute. And same with his distribution. Max's is brilliant. Um, if we are winning by one goal to nil, he will go down with cramp after 52 mm-hmm. minutes um, and he'll keep doing that until he gets booked. Um, and we haven't had that before and we quite like it. We always like to think of ourselves as some sort of morally superior um, team that doesn't surround the ref and the like. Well, I'm sure uh, our, our fans in the Warwick Road and the youngsters will, will <laughs> definitely not give him too much stick for being a former Carla player if he did something like that. I'm pretty sure Good. Be, they'd be fair to him. Uh, and in our team, I think there's only two, and I might be wrong on this, I think Jamie Devitt had a loan spell, you guys. Yeah. He won't feature at the weekend probably because he's Is injured, he injured by any chance? Yeah, it, yeah. It, it's, it's sad because he, when he, the first spell he had with us, he was outstanding, like a, an unbelievable player. Left to go to Blackpool and Blackpool's manager just signed him. No, no, he left literally seven days after he signed. Oh, Simon dear. Grayson comes in and says, I'm not going to pick you so you can go and find a loan club. And he just signed a two-year deal with them, having, you know, moving up to like League One level, which was fair enough because we were League Two. He's had a few sp- clubs he's been at since. He was at Barrow. We signed him last season and the four games he played last season before he got injured for the rest of the season basically kept us up. We won all four and he was outstanding on all four. Got a new deal, but it's, it's, it's sort of pays you play with a very basic wage. Yeah. And he's, he's He's featured as a sub a few times this season, but he's, he's been useful in the games he's played. But Good. but for you guys, he was on loan quite a while ago, wasn't it? I think that's yeah, like ten years ago quite. now. But yeah. again, very similar to what it sounds like for you guys. He yeah. came in in that season where you know Luton had been docked ninety thousand points yeah. and and the like, and kept us up. Um, and so yeah, he's 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 always one of those that people hark back to. 
as well. Yeah. So why don't we bring Jamie Devitt in? Because he's literally 90. Yeah, uh, and I, 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 I have a feeling he'll either retire at the end of the season or he might become a player coach or something like that. Because he, Simo says he's an unbelievable person to have around the dressing room. He, he raves about how good a character he is as well, which I think does play quite a big part, which is one of the reasons we're doing so well. And the final one, uh, someone I who I know didn't have a great loan spell you guys because he... I interviewed him at the start of the season just after oh, he scored against you guys. And he did say I was getting a bit of stick and he said, you know what, I wasn't very good there to be fair. I didn't have a great time there, but, you know, I enjoyed my goal the other night. Christian Dennis, your thoughts on him? Yeah, do you know what? He's That's that's a shame to hear because he didn't... We've never had decent strikers. The last yeah. striker that had scored more than 10 goals for us in the league was Wes Thomas way back when. Yeah. Um, and so he didn't do terribly. He was one of those players that come in in a short loan spell, had a couple of goals, and then sort of go, hang on, we've just found the greatest player ever. And then, as most loan players do, they then they sink down to our level, yeah, and then don't um, and then don't kick on. Um, yeah, there's not too much other than that I really know about him. It's great to see him doing well with you guys. It's um, in League Two, you're never going to find a striker that is, you know, you, Swindon's Charlie Austin thing only happens once in a generation. Yeah. yeah. And um, everybody else is either a load of journeymen that you've never heard of or a young guy from National League North. So whatever striker you sign, no one is going to be massively impressed. But the same with like Jamil Matt and uh, and the like with that. Like, you know, they weren't ma- amazing for us, but then they get promoted with Forest Green. Yeah. And um, uh, yeah, it's just got to fit. Yeah, Matt's gone to Walsall now. He's not really done much there, has he? I think he's bit, I mean, he's scored no. yet, has he? No, not at all. And it'll be the same. There'll be so many players we get that, you know, then will go on and have a far better career and will laugh at us on the way back. Yeah. I did, like I said, to be fair, I don't think he was so much disparaging of you guys. He was more okay. So I just, I just, you know, I think he'd come from Notts County where he was struggling a bit there as well. And I think he was just like, you know what, it just didn't work out. And I think he was just, you know, he was getting some gentle ribbon from the fans. So I think he enjoyed the goal. And he, <laughs> and he is very much a wind-up merchant from the impression I got from him. Like, he, he really is a wind-up merchant, but there you go. Good. Um, Alex, I've kept you for quite a while. It's been a really good chat. Uh, let, let's wrap it up and let's have your prediction for this game. Um, <laughs> do I do two? If we beat Southampton, we're going to lose 6-0 because everyone's going to be hung over. <laughs> okay. And uh, you guys will just walk it around us. If, um, if we don't win it, I imagine it'll be a two-all draw. Um, okay. I think it'll be an entertaining one. Okay, well, Alex, thanks very much for your time and uh, all the best for the rest of the season after this weekend. Thank you. Yeah, big thanks once again to Alex for giving up his time to speak to us. Very generous uh, in terms of uh, his availability. Yeah, really good chat with him. I'm sure he's probably got a very sore head, probably still listening to this on Friday, having been all the way down to Southampton on Wednesday night. I mean, what an incredible victory for them, Dan. I mean, they're having a great time in the FA Cup this season, aren't they? I think they're having sort of the ideal season for mm. the first one back because yeah. they're, they're, they're safe. They're in mid-table, they're safe. You know, they're, yeah. they're not going to go up, they're not going to go down. To compensate, they're having an incredible mm. cup run, which uh, has unfortunately sent them to the south coast again. With, uh, they took Brighton. incredible numbers down there, though. Yeah, 4,000 yeah. in midweek is a really mm. good effort, really, yeah, really, yeah. really and good they'll, they'll take the same to Brighton as well. You know, you Saturday as well, yeah. So, yeah it's a quarter-final, you know. So. Yeah, it must be it must have been frustrating them for them, them watching that draw as it started, because they started out of Man City at home, and they said, oh, there's a chance, Man City away, sorry. No, they didn't get that. Then Man United away, oh, no, yeah, they didn't get yeah. that maybe. So. But yeah, it's a, it's a running joke, Man United FA Cup draws, isn't it, though? They, they, they get a good draw in the FA Cup pretty much every mm. season, don't they? It's very rare they get a poor one. Um, 
But yeah, so it, it, it on to this weekend's game. Um, referee for the games, Mark Edwards from County Durham. It's his fifth, fourth sorry, season as an EFL referee. He's taken charge of 19 games so far this season, handing out 60 yellows and no red cards. You know what that means? Um, <laughs> last season, he handed out 87 yellow and three red cards in 29 games. Um, last United game he took charge of was the 1-0 win over Gillingham at the start of this season, where Jordan Gibson was the only player booked for the Blues that day. Um Head to head, it's only the fifty-first meeting between the two sides. I was surprised at this, Dan. I thought we'd have played them a lot more, to be honest. Grimsby were quite a solid championship club for a number of years. Yeah, that, that's the thing. I, I kind of thought that. I thought, well, maybe when we were sort of up in the first division and um, second division, they were lower league anyway. And I honestly, think we like you possibly said, it crossed each other a little bit, you know. Pretty much, yeah. My distinct memory of Grimsby Town. Sorry, I should say the head-to-head stats are: we've won twelve. Uh, there's been 14 draws and they've won 24, so we're well behind on the head-to-head for this one. Um, my distinct memory of Grimsby Town is the fact that we seem to draw them in the League Cup every season at the end of the 90s, and they battered us every season in the League Cup at the end of the 90s. We lost 6-0 there, possibly, I seem to remember. Yeah, yeah. That was, that was a pretty desperate uh, one. I think I went to the second one, which was a 3-1 or 2-0 defeat, I think, maybe. And the thing that always stood out to me about Blundell Park, and I did say this on the, the chat with Alex, is um is the fact that it, it was just dog shit everywhere around the ground. It is the UK <laughs> dog shit capital. I, don't, I can't understand how Blundell Park is like that, but it, it, there seems to be just dog shit everywhere. Not as bad the last time I went, actually, we caught a few seasons ago. But um, but yeah, so it, it, there you go. Um, let's talk about their squad and transfers and stuff then, Dan and Mike. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, looking at the January business... Not many departures. Pretty much all the departures that have gone bar Jordan McGu- McGu- Jordan Maguire-Drew, who's gone to Yeovile Town on a free transfer, were all players' loans ending, weren't they? They let four yeah, players' four. loans end, and all, they haven't lost anyone else. So they've been quite solid in terms of their squad. Yeah. And just added basically another three loanies in, plus um, a couple of players. I think Josh Emmanuel's one that they're really excited about. He's come from, um, it says Rovermere, but I think he's actually come from Hull. Um, and Owen Gallagher has come from uh, Crawley Town. Um, what, what's your thoughts on their squad, Dan? Because I look at it and I think, I think it's actually quite a testament to the job that Paul Hurst has done because it, it doesn't look the strongest to me. It's a proper mix. I mean, there's one or two solid names, you know, like a Luke Waterfall. Yeah, yeah. He's been around the block. Uh, Otis Khan's been around the block. Sean yeah. Scannell, you know. Yeah. And then you've got a lot of unfamiliar ones, you know, your loanies, etc. It's a proper little mix, isn't it? That's Stephen Wayne from Sunderland. We were linked with him, weren't we? Mm. And there's also, I mean, Gavin Hoolan, they signed from Hartlepool United, didn't they? Yeah, Just, yeah. That, that always looks a weird one, how Hartlepool let him go now as well, because he was one of their best players, wasn't he? Yeah. A strange one, that was. Well, Sean that, Pitt. Um... I was just going to say that Evan Corey, I think he was man of the match uh, against Southampton. And he was like, Mm. came through West Ham's academy. Only club he's ever played for is Grimsby. He's played nine games for Grimsby. You know, and that's one of them signings that you see in the summer and think, oh, he's probably not much. But it's man of the match against Southampton. So, Oh, that goes to show, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, Mm. obviously, uh, Sean Pearson as well. I think he was at Wrexham, wasn't he, for a few years. He he certainly enjoyed beating them in the, the playoffs last season. But um, but yeah, like in terms of you looked at the transfer business they did in the summer, as you mentioned that. I mean, Niall Maher coming in from Halifax, he's one we were linked with as well, wasn't he? I think I seem to remember. Um, 
But yeah, I agree with you, Dan. It, it's a weird mix. It doesn't it doesn't strike you as like when I looked at it in summer. I think if I remember we said we thought they were going to be solid mid table, but that was mainly because of Paul Hurst, wasn't it? Because we thought he's mm. such a good manager, he's done such a good job there. I think any a lot of other managers going in there would probably struggle with that squad, wouldn't they? Yeah, uh, there's there's just nothing that really really stands out, you know. But mm. uh, no, they've, they've just got it right this season for me, you know. They've like I said earlier, they're, they're mid table, they're safe, they're having a great cup run, you know. They've done it off the back of this cup run. Yeah, they'll probably be able to invest in the squad come next summer, you know. Exactly, it's, it's uh, the perfect recipe for them, isn't it? Really. Yeah, they, yeah, definitely. They, they came up one year ahead of schedule, probably. Mike, you'd say, wouldn't you? They, they, they've, they've, they've gone. They probably thought going down, Paul is thinking, I'm going to have to rebuild things there, and with you know, Notts County, Wrexham, and Chesterfield all to compete with at this level. You know, I, I, and Stockport actually as well. Sorry, I forgot about them. Um, mm. It's going to be tough for us, so we might as well rebuild and put together a decent squad to have a go at the season after. As it was, they had an incredible run, Tristan Abraham's powered run at the end of the season. <laughs> And um, got themselves up. So I suppose, Mike, I, I think what my, Dan says there is right, isn't it? For them, it's a case of let's not get ourselves into trouble. Let's be solid. And this FA Cup run is just an incredible bonus on top of that. Yeah, definitely. And I, and I think any team that comes up from the National League at the minute with the quality that's down there absolutely 100% deserves to be in the Football League. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the I think, like you said before, they're having the ideal season, just consolidate get a bit of cup money and then maybe next year maybe have a have a go at sort of playoffs or higher. Yeah. Despite the fact that they're firmly mid table, they've picked up some really impressive results, especially in recent weeks even. I mean they've they've drawn with both Orient and Stevenage and they've beaten Stockport and Northampton. But on the flip side, Dan, they've lost to Colchester Grimsby. Sorry not Grimsby. Yeah. I've about Grimsby in there. Colchester, Gillingham, sorry, that's another G term. Colchester, Gillingham, Harrogate, and Hartlepool. Yeah, which yeah, that, that's the inconsistency is, is why they are where they are, isn't it? It'll, it'll be interesting to see who they do bring in in the summer because they've got the the makings of uh, having a decent season next season if they spend the money wisely. And they get the crowds as well, don't they? They get six, seven fouls on most yeah, weeks, yeah, I think. Yeah. So you know, it's, it's not like the they're a proper football league club I mean it was kind of good to see them come up in the, in the summer in that sense you know to have a, a team like that back a bit of a pain to get there for us but you know it, it, it could be worse I suppose in that sense um, so yeah they're probably going to be happy to be mid-table this season considering you know being promoted a year ahead of schedule um, and they do tend to score most games there's only eight games that they haven't uh, scored in so far this season I think we're on uh, there's only seven that we haven't scored in so they're similar to us in that sense it's got nil-nil written all over it hasn't it oh 100% <laughs> I'm just saying this I'm saying this you know but they don't tend to score many goals in games they don't you know like us where we've had three or four in quite a few games they don't tend to score lots of goals that's 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 where they've got issues I think in terms of that um, last I mean we always talk about the last time out. I think everyone knows what happened last time out for them, don't they? <laughs> they they beat Southampton two one thanks to two penalties either side of a half time from Gavin Houlihan with a uh, Coletta Carr um, getting one back on sixty five. But Southampton did have a goal rightly disallowed by VAR. That must have been an interesting experience for the Grimsby fans getting to see VAR in live action for the first time. <laughs> uh, but it sounds like they were quite comfortable. They held on. Uh, Max Crokin was up to some funny antics, wasn't he? I think it's fair to say in terms of uh, getting cramp. In the game late on, I mean, any goalkeeper who claims he genuinely has cramp in the game is a liar. 
I'm convinced. <laughs> you are. There's no way a goalkeeper should be getting cramped. I'm, I'm, I'm led to believe from reading Twitter that it's not the first time he's done well, no, apparently, as Alex has said to us, apparently he has a habit of doing this round about the 52-minute mark in games. He'll start doing it. He'll start complaining about cramps. So I'm sure our, our good friends in the Warwick Road and the young lads in there will be happily to to remind him of this. And just keep it polite, lads. That's all I'm saying. Semi-po- <laughs> semi-polite at the very least. Well, if, if we're winning on 52 minutes, it'll be miraculous to see that he doesn't have cramp in this yeah, game, that, most that, most probably. That'll be the key thing. Crocombe's an interesting one, isn't he? Obviously came in as a backup keeper for us. Um it was never really going to get a chance to start because Gillespie was firmly the first choice, wasn't he, Dan? Um, gone away, he's gone back and played in uh, Australasia, I suppose you'd say, in Oceania. Back for, was it for Wellington Phoenix he was playing for, possibly? Someone else? Oh, no, it was Brisbane Royal, sorry, wasn't it? He was with uh, Tom Aldred and uh, Macaulay Gillespie. He's come back to the UK to play with Grimsby and, he, and he's firmly established himself as first choice there, hasn't he? Yeah, he's, uh, you know, he's... He was at Salford as well, wasn't he? For a bit? Yeah, for a brief one. Well, he got sent off famously, didn't he, for having a, a piss behind the goal in one game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. But no fair play to him. He's still only 29, you know. He's, he's uh... quite young. Oh, yeah. I didn't even realise that. For some reason, I thought when he was with us, he was like 24, 25. So, so yeah, I'm thinking about it. He's 20, 26, 17, he was with us. So, that would be a good... <sighs> be about then yeah. seven years yes he was about 2021 20, uh, fair play to him yeah he was he was only young when he was at us i can remember that yeah. much yeah no, no, yeah okay. 20 2016 17 yeah yeah well well there you go um let's talk about united then um injury wise it's, it's starting to get close to being good isn't it i think it's fair to say mike you know looking mm-hmm. at the thing i haven't actually put toby show silver's injury down here i just realized that I, I, I do apologize i think i've left it off um bar that i mean and obviously dickinson's out for two months we know that Josh Dixon returned to full contact training at the end of last week. It'll probably take him a few weeks to get up to speed still, but that's another option added to the squad. Probably not going to be involved, but you, you never know if we do need him. Um, Ryan Edmondson, as you mentioned, Dan, he, he's closing in on a return very soon, hopefully. Um, Charter's about three weeks away. Cart Devitt is about one to two weeks, and Barkley will be similar about a week, and obviously Ellis is four weeks and similar with back. Potentially, in the next few weeks, it's going to be a real big opportunity. We've got some big games coming up, haven't we, Dan? There is a real chance, isn't there, to to impose ourselves with the squad we've got? Yeah, definitely. You know, you know, you see, as an opposition player, you look at a bench and you see names like Edmondson, Devitt, Dennis. You Gordon. know, you're thinking, <laughs> you know, you're thinking, bloody hell, these lot have got some squad, haven't they? You know, yeah. I, th- I think. Uh, sorry, I, I was going to say, I feel, Mike, as well, that Edmondson's going to be a massive one coming back, isn't he? I mean, because he, he gives us a completely different option from the other four forwards, doesn't he, in terms of his height and his presence yeah. up there. But he's also got that ability on the ball. Yeah, definitely. And it wouldn't surprise me if some games we might sort of see Simo do the four-three-three that he played last time, where Derek mm. Holmes is kind of in the middle and we had Carl Hawley and Michael Bridges either side banging in goals. Wouldn't mm. surprise me if we see that with Edmondson in the Derek Holmes role. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see a game with uh, Edmonton and Garner up front because Garner could be the one winning all the flick-ons. Well, Edmonton, who's got a bit of pace by him, would be the mm. one get, going for the through balls. He'd be quite mm. an unusual sight of the little man doing the flick-ons and the big man doing the uh, the running off the ball. They, well, uh, I mean, a, a, a lot of opposition teams would be sticking their big man on Edmonton, expecting yeah. that to be the area ball. And a lot of big centre-halves at this level are absolutely slow as a tractor. So... Yeah. Yeah, Garner wins the flick on Edmonton and behind. I'd, I'd quite like to see that. 
It'll be interesting. Uh, Dan, team selection, stick a twist. I don't think you can change after a five goal away from home, to be quite yeah. honest. And as you mentioned, we've only got 16 outfit foot, you know, yeah, outfield yeah. players. So, you know, no, not much choice in there. Um, you the same, Mikey? You stick with what we've got? Yeah, you've got to, haven't you? Yeah, I, I, I'd agree with you. I think at the end of the day, we've, even in terms of, you know, we've we, we mixed up the strikes a bit this season. I'd stick with them for this one. You maybe look to change it for Swindon, possibly to freshen it up a little bit there. But but yeah, definitely for this one, I'd, I'd stick with it. Uh, well, let's see match predictions then. Um, been a bit of a change in the table, hasn't there, Mike? <laughs> yeah, there has. So yeah. you're now top uh, on 21 points. Dan's on 20 and then... I'm just playing with myself in the sandpit <laughs> on 14. Get steady, steady. Um, yeah, it, it's. I, I've moved. Did, who did I get right in terms of goal scorers? Because there was five goal scorers in the end, so I, I went for 3 0. I think I have a feeling I got Moxon. I think you got Moxon. Uh, Mellish, pa- maybe? I think you might have got Patrick. Or maybe it was Mellish. I can't remember. One of the two, but, maybe. Yeah, yeah, that's what I got. So no one else got any of us. I, th- I don't think it was Patrick. You'd, you'd think we'd actually write these down one week. No. Mike does it. Comes to something that we, we had five different goal scorers, and me and Dan didn't get any of them right. Yeah. Incredible effort that wasn't it. But there you go. <laughs> uh, well, we're gonna have to give up on the, the the Dennis thing soon. I think. Anyway, Dan, go on. You can go first. What are you predicting? Three 0 win. I'm gonna go for Amari Patrick, Joe Garner, and J.K. Gordon. Oh, a free striker's gone then. Uh, Christian Dennis not scoring as well, which is, yeah, that's a first for a while. Uh, Mike, what are you going to go for? I'm going to go for a 3-1 win, and I'm going to go for John Mellish and Amari Patrick and J.K. Gordon off the bench. Okay, I'm going to go for a 4-1 win. I think Grimsby have been on the piss all week and, and <laughs> a couple of days and rightly enjoying their FA Cup victory over Southampton. Uh, so I'm going to go goal scorers, uh um, Jack Armour's going to get one to, to match uh, the one that Senior got last week. Um, Mary Patrick, uh, Owen Moxon with another, and uh, Joe Garner to get the other one. So there you go, that's what I'm going to go with. Um, right, X-File section, Dan, there's a little bit to cover this week. Yeah, uh, goals last weekend. Naki Wells got a penalty for Bristol City. They didn't get one for how many games? Did they get two in a row, was it? 480 odd days or something like that, and then now two yeah, games in a row, they got penalties. Two in a row. Yeah. Then they had a 1 0 win over Hull. Yeah. Uh, Macaulay Gillespie scored for Plymouth in a 5 2 defeat at Peterborough. Yeah. I didn't think that was a game that could have goals. I I, I always think Peterborough games are going to have goals. I don't know why, because they, they yeah, all have such good strikers. They just do, yeah. 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 Uh, Andy Cook scored the only goal in Bradford's 1-0 win at Doncaster. Bradford mm. took a cracking away support there, obviously. Yeah. Uh, Max Aimer scored for Gillingham in the 2-1 win over AFC Wimbledon. Mm-hmm. Uh, becoming a regular suddenly, Angelo yeah. Balanta scored for Dagenham in a, quite a shock 2-1 win at Notts yeah. County, that. Well, Wrexham are now top of the National League, aren't they? And I, I, I yeah, have a suspicion yeah. that they're probably going to stay there, which is a shame. They're not going to look but... back now, are they? Yeah, you'd imagine but, uh, so. Josh Todd scored. Unfortunately, it was in his own goal. Mm-hmm. Uh, Quinn and South 2-0 home defeat to Dunfermline. Uh, speaking of Josh's, Josh Galloway scored for Annan in that 2-0 win we mentioned when talking about Max Killsby. And from the land down under, Tom Aldridge yeah. scored for Brisbane Raw. In the two-one home win over Perth Glory, the Tom Aldridge one is funny because I, when you put down the goal scores, I always it's not a case of I don't trust you, but I always go through and skim through, thinking is there any interesting ones in there? 
or anything. And I just skimmed down. I got to the Australian games. I thought, oh, I wonder if Tom Aldridge scored. And that was on Saturday, but they hadn't played at that point, Brisbane Raw. And then obviously the next day, they did play and he scored. So, funny mm. one, that one. There you go. Uh, just a couple of mid things in midweek. Uh, Andy Cook, again, scoring for fun at the moment. Uh, moved to the top of the league to scoring charts as he's got a great solo goal. Have you seen this goal? No, I haven't seen it yet, no. It, 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 I've put down it's a great solo goal, and it is a good goal. What, what I would say is the defender doesn't make the greatest effort to shield the ball out for a throw-in. He gets his leg around, wins it, gets into the box. I'm not being funny, but if, if Andy Cook is pulling away for you for pace, you've maybe got a little bit of a problem there because yeah. he should not be doing you for pace. One thing I'll say is what a great run he's on, as you say there, Dan. And it does worry me a little bit with Bradford, thinking oh, they might be coming up the rails a little bit with him there. Mm. But at the same time, if I was a Bradford fan, I'd be thinking, please stay fit, please stay fit, because without Cook, they've got nothing in attack. That's the problem. It, it was interesting he was rumoured to be going in January as well, isn't mm. it? Well, Hughes yeah. did dismiss that as nonsense, didn't he? But there yeah. you go. And a penalty save for the former mm. player. Magnus Norman saved a penalty in Oldham's 3-1 win at Barnett. Well, that brings it nicely onto one of the other ones there, doesn't it, actually, as well? Magnus yes. Norman. Uh, t- team of the Week news. Magnus Norman was in the National League Team of the Week for the weekend. Mm. And former youth keeper Alex Mitchell was uh, the keeper in the National League North Team of the Week. I think he's a Blythe. Blythe Spartans, yeah, yeah. yeah. But Magnus Thomas doing really well, Alden. They love him there, don't they? Their fans are really Yeah, he seems, so. seems to have yeah, kicked on, on, which him. is uh, good for him. Yeah. Uh, also, one we missed the other week, Jake mm. Jervis, former Loney, signed for Indian mm. Super League side East Bengal after leaving Finnish side SJK. <laughs> now, if you like me and love random things... yeah. There's an English Players Abroad Twitter, which is why yeah. I find half this brilliant. And it's They're brilliant. brilliant it? Yeah. it really is. Uh, one that's happened this morning before we recorded, Richie Bennett has signed for Scunthorpe on loan from Barrow until the end of the season, although they have got the 28-day callback. Hmm. And uh, one from that sneaked in, Gavin Riley has joined Stenhouse Muir on loan until the end of the season from Queen of the South. Hmm. There you go. There's one other one, actually, I forgot to put in here, Dan, and that's an update on uh, the man with his massive telly. Ah, yes, uh, Darren Kelly. He's gone to Hartlepool. To be their new sporting director, which makes you think he wasn't pushed at Newport, was he? He's probably... Because I think he's based in Yorkshire, isn't he? Because he was at uh, yeah, Scarborough yeah, for this. So I imagine he, that, yeah. he's probably had the opportunity to come up and he's like, you know... I'd, I'd, in fact, in, he was involved in York as well, I think, for a bit. So that might be the link yeah, to Yeah, he then, must be in that area, yeah. Yes, he must have links to John Askey, but there you go. But uh, the, the, the removal men will be casting the big telly again. <laughs> Indeed. They'll need a big wagon for that. Oh, a big one. <laughs> I don't know, those big, like, you know, those... Uh, you know, they'll have those uh, vans behind it on the motorway. Unusual <laughs> load over there. You go. Wide load. Yeah. yeah, exactly that. Uh, right, that's it then, lads. Thanks very much for your time. Thanks once again to our sponsors, the London Branch, for their support this season. Uh, we'll be back next week with a regular episode, and we are going to do that special episode fairly soon. I think me and you are collating our notes shortly on that, aren't we, Dan, to, to put that together? So that should be good. Um, but yeah, that's it. So thanks everyone for listening, and up the blues. Up the blues. Up the blues. So